Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News, your humble sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast on all sorts of apps, including Apple Podcasts and just about anywhere else uh, you like to retrieve your favorite podcast. Also catch us on YouTube and Facebook. We're both live and recorded at those two places. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. If you'd like to give us a quick follow there, you'll get link drops to all our podcasts. there, running uh, weekly here at this time of year. Travis, we're just ripping off Sunday nighter after Sunday nighter after we uh, wrap things up for Alabama in the SEC tournament. The Crimson Tide falls to Notre Dame. Final score 78 to 64 in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Alabama goes out with a whimper, Travis. And other than to say it should have been expected based on the way Alabama had gone into the tournament, I'll leave the table for you. Yeah, you know, you just first and foremost hate to see Javon Quinterly go down like that in the first four minutes of the game. And we can have the debate might be a tad insensitive in some ways that Quinterly's absence, Quinterly's early departure uh, would or would not have impacted uh, the rest of that game significantly. You know, you can have that talk. First and foremost, you just feel bad for him in that situation, but in a lot of ways, it was more of the same. And, you know, Alabama finishes the season on a four game losing streak. I don't think any of us saw that coming back in late December when this team coming off wins over teams like Gonzaga and Houston looked to be trending in a very positive direction. But over the final 21, 22 games of the season, this wasn't a 500 team chase. And I think that'll always be a head scratcher when you look at this team, but specific to Notre Dame, it was kind of, again, more of what we had seen in the three games previous in that losing streak to end the year. And that, you know, Alabama in the first half looked pretty good in some ways. Uh, But in this instance, when Alabama was actually trailing instead of leading against Texas A&M and uh, leading against LSU and leading against Vanderbilt, uh, you felt like down five at the half with the way this team has failed to close out games uh, with an emphasis on the defensive end, uh, you didn't really like their chances, even though Notre Dame was coming off the quick turnaround in Dayton. And even though this was a Notre Dame team, Chase, that really only played seven guys. Only played seven guys. You're right about that. Uh, Definitely feel for Javon Quinterly a terrible day. It's never a good time uh, to have a knee injury. I guess we don't know exactly what the extent of it is yet. Nate Oates certainly hinted in his post-game remarks that it's probably a significant injury, certainly looked that way as he was helped off the floor. Uh, Hope the best for him, certainly where his pro prospects are concerned. Uh, Little doubt at this point that he will be moving on. He's done at Alabama. If he were to have some kind of a change of mind, I suppose uh, he could peel back for another year. Uh, But I think he hinted on social media, this is going to be it for him. So, a tough, tough way for Javon Quinterly to go out. At the same time, and this is what this is more or less what I wrote in the T News after the game. You can't hang the loss on the loss of Quinterly because this team wasn't good enough with Quinterly, and that was, you know, something that's yeah. 
you say that, and at the same time, you don't want to minimize what Quinterly meant to the team because he meant a great deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, Travis, Cormac Ryan won the game more than any injury lost it. Uh, I mean, you know, the guy puts up 29 points for Notre Dame, hand in his face sometimes, still seven out of nine from three-point range. Blake Wesley knocks in another 18. Uh, Notre Dame shot the lights out. They were over 50% from the field. They were over 90% from three-point range. And they were over 60% from three-point range. So the hat has to come off uh, first and foremost to the Fighting Irish is how I saw it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, especially given the circumstances and playing in the first four game and a double overtime first four game uh, against Rutgers, no less. Then jumping on a charter, flying pretty much the red-eye equivalent to the West Coast instead of from West to East. And then... Um, you know, playing the way they did and having energy. And, you know, we can talk about Alabama's defense. Like you said, it's easy to bang on Alabama's defense this season, but I agree. I think you have to give credit to Notre Dame. This was an efficient offensive team coming into the tournament. That played out in San Diego. I will say that, you know, we can talk about contested shots, but sometimes that happens after you give up some open looks early. And you give those shooters and those guys confidence via open looks. Then even when you start contesting, like you probably should have from the start, they're feeling like the basket's twice the size of what it was to start the game. Uh, and they're in a better mind space, a, a better uh, mindset to, to knock down shots. But yeah, I, I was impressed with Notre Dame. Um, you know, for Alabama, you just... Uh, you needed Jaden Shackelford, especially after Quinterly went out to be all American type good. And it wasn't that kind of night for Jaden, unfortunately, back in his home state on the offensive end. And when they got down 10 or so, and we can talk about some whistles that didn't go Alabama's way. I, I thought the Jawan Gary foul call there in the second half was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Uh, but I can't, just like I can't tell you with a straight face, oh, if Javon Quinterly plays the whole game, that's probably a different game. I can't tell you that about the foul calls or the whistles that didn't go Alabama's way in the second half because we have too much of a sample size at that point, right, to say, look, there's plenty to tell us that this team, regardless, wasn't going to, A, get enough stops to come back from 10 down, and then sustain anything offensively enough to come back from that kind of deficit. Yeah, I think it was a football coach who coined the term, you are what your record says yeah. you are, but it applies to basketball or any Especially other over the last 21-22 games. I mean, the last 21-22 games, I think they were 10-12. and 12. Right. Over the last 22, that's, that's who they were since the loss to Davidson. Really, that's who this Alabama team was, right? 19 and 14, your yeah. final record. I mean, right. not, not not that far over 500, frankly. No. And Bank you, those early wins. Those were huge, man. Bank them. And, and, and we say all this, and we've said it before. We probably need to say it again. Alabama did what it needed to do in year three under Nate Oates. It backed up a tournament appearance with another one. Right. And in retrospect, after going one and out, we can talk about, wow, that's a disappointment. But hell, look at the rest of the SEC at the oh. end of the first weekend. Yeah. You know, Auburn, I'm looking at right now, is about to lose by 18 to a 10 seed. 
in the 32, Chase. Kentucky what about loses all that SEC hype, though, Travis? That SEC hype. Kentucky loses to St. Peter's. You got Arkansas. You got Eric Musselman left. That's what you yeah. got, right? Isn't that it? It's Arkansas, isn't it? Tennessee. So much- what about Tennessee? Ten- you know, oh, man, Tennessee, Tennessee that's a Final Four team. Uh, SEC's got three teams with Final Four uh, potential. Well, they, they got one left out of the four that everybody loved going into this tournament. Their best teams right now might be in the NIT. <laughs> oh, no. The best team in the SEC right now might be Texas A&M. Uh, uh, they might be. They made, it, made the run to the final of the SEC tournament. They might be playing better, I guess, is a better way to say it. So, you know, I'm all in on the NIT now. I'm all in on Vandy, you know, playing good down the stretch. All in on Texas A&M. That's where I'll be, I guess, the next Horrific week run so. for the Southeastern yeah, Conference, terrible. no doubt about it. Alabama certainly uh, didn't, didn't contribute a thing going out in the first round. Interesting, Travis, too, I thought, and, and I kind of think this speaks to – where Alabama is at going into next year. And we'll touch on the 22-23 Alabama basketball uh, prospects here in a second. But where do the minutes go, right? Javon Quinterly goes out three minutes into the game. JD. I'll, t- I'll tell you where the extra minutes went. They went Well, yeah, Davison played 37. Yeah, he but, had to. But he averaged close to 30. Right, you know who, but that's you know, that's seven yeah. more than he usually plays, and he's playing on the ball, which he, is on the yeah. ball is a lot of minutes a, for a guy. A lot was asked of him, no doubt. Beyond that, though, it was Juwan Gary. It was Darius Miles. Those were the two. You know, Juwan Gary played 23 minutes. I can't tell you the last time Juwan Gary played 23 And minutes. I didn't think Juwan Gary was that was bad. He played you know? fine. Yeah, I thought he, he played him. well. He and Keon, right? Yeah. Ellis had 16 points, nine rebounds. Keon Ellis probably played the best game of anybody on the floor for Alabama. Keon probably more so than any other player for Alabama played the kind of game he needed to play for Alabama to win. Right. Otherwise, I thought Jawan did did well for what you said. He was asked to do more, and I thought he did. He did. He did. I I think, and and this kind of spins us forward to next season. It kind of illustrates, though, that at least a chunk of Quinterly's minutes went to bigs. Tells you a little something about what Alabama's got coming back at guard next year, right? You, you, Ellis is out. Shackelford's out. Quinterly's going to be out. J.D. Davison is the only guard coming back with significant experience. Maybe. As a guard is he position. coming back? How, I think he's coming back. I I, I think he – I think – Right now, I I think I think that, but I probably thought that about Josh Primo last year at this time too, right? To me, I hear you. Yeah, Josh Primo probably surprised every everybody a little bit. I think when but I Primo see JD, went through the process of good ways before finalizing it. I mean, he did a good job of navigating it. He, he did. He 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 did. And and JD Davison has an explosive level of athleticism. That's not dissimilar to Primo. Primo is a, a, a different a different body type for sure. But when you look at Davison's play overall, he needs some polish. Oh, no doubt. I uh, mean, the turnover he had, I think they were down eight, and he's pushing 
and they got a chance, right, in the second half to cut it to six. And he throws this 2A high school pass across the middle that Wesley for Notre Dame looks like a free safety just baiting an interception, Mm -hmm. goes down for the layup. That was was too much of what we saw from J.D. Davis in this year, wasn't it? Tossed a little egg to James Rojas all in the second half that got picked off as well. Careless passing is one of a couple of things that J.D. Davison needs to clean up. Uh, but that being said, if we assume he'll be back next year, and I think he will be, uh, it's going to be him and who knows what else at the guard position. Jason Holt played one minute with Javon Quinterly not playing basically at all. Who knows what who what Alabama can expect you, from you've got Holt, you've got a five star point guard coming too though in Jaden Bradley that they've yeah. already signed so you know they've got two five stars coming in one more of a wing one on on the ball they got a really good four star shooting guard coming in in Ryland Griffin I'm sure we'll get more into this but so there is that but I think your point is who knows right exactly what this team's going to look like. Um, for next season. I think, though, Chase, that's college basketball in a nutshell right now, isn't it? Especially with the COVID year thrown in there. Rosters, rosters flip so fast. Yeah. So fast. I'm pretty sure, I'm almost certain, I didn't I didn't check both rosters. I'm almost certain there was that, that Avery Johnson didn't know a single player on the roster from his, <laughs> from his team. There Maybe wasn't a Jayden. single guy. What, Okay. Yeah. Um, well, as far as recruiting, Jack- as right. far as recruiting guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's only been three years, not four. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. I think there were a couple of guys, but yeah, I mean, they've got a five man class coming in that they've signed. And 10 years ago, you'd have said, well, they're, they're, they're locked in. That's they filled their spots and they may even need some help with the roster to make it work. Right. Now, I'll be surprised if the five guys or the new guys, the only new guys that are in here, are in Tuscaloosa um, for 2022-2023. I don't know about you. I, You know, my daughter is a, a graduate assistant in women's basketball on the Division One level, and they had their last game today in the WBI. And so I said, well, what kind of recruiting class you come got coming in? She goes, we don't have any recruits. They're waiting. They're like, they're waiting on the portal. They're right. gonna go shop the portal. <laughs> I mean, that's that's college basketball, men's or women's. Yeah, in twenty twenty two, Chase. That's where it's at. It, With the it, COVID and, year too, it just really changed things too. No question about it. it. There's no telling what the team will look like. And you're right. There are some big time recruits coming in. Nate Oates, uh, along with. Turning Alabama around, and I think it's fair to say two NCAA tournament appearances in three years, based on the results of the previous couple of coaches, that's a turnaround. On top of that, there's no question that he can recruit really well, which when he came in from Buffalo with no real experience recruiting the SEC, recruiting the South, or even the region, uh, that was a question mark of of Nate Oates that he's also answered. Um, but yeah, maybe it will have to be a couple freshmen and look, you know, you and I both tend to be a little skeptical of, of recruits until you actually see them on the field. That's always the prudent thing to do. 
that being said, in this day and age of college basketball, generally speaking, if if you got a lights out recruiting class, yeah, maybe they don't maybe they don't all come up and come in and, and, and live up to the hype. But if one or two of them do, it can create the entire dynamic. Yeah, if Jaden Shackelford Quinterly along with Keon Ellis and somehow J.D. Davison move on, I don't see how you can't or won't go to the portal for some experience in the backcourt. You're going to have to. Yeah. You already have your freshmen that you're bringing in uh, in those guard positions. So I'm sure Nate Oates, Brian Hodgson, Antoine Petway, Charlie Henry, that Alabama staff, uh, they're, they're maintaining contact with some transfer portal options uh, probably even as we pod here. As we as we say in Jacksonville, where the fishing can be good, Travis, lines are in the water. <laughs> Blue skies and tight lines. <laughs> Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Going to thank a couple of sponsors for the program right now really quickly. Got to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates. Dr. Jack Smalley, that outstanding local dental service with his great staff at Dental Hygienist. Whatever your dental needs or your family's dental needs, get over there, 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. They can do porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for the kids, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, the teeth whitening services. They do it all. They'll get you in and out of the chair, typically in under an hour on a routine cleaning. You got to get in there twice a year if you can. They're great with dealing with those insurance folks as well and don't forget botox and juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features at north river dental associates give them a call for an appointment that number is 752-3506 or visit northriverdentist.com it's north river dental associates i'm going to tell you about peterbrook chocolates here out there of course for 15 years now in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa as well, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, exactly where you're going to find those, those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. And also that, the chocolate popcorn that is the signature item at Peterbrook Chocolates here. But if you like chocolate, if you like sweets really of any kind, you're going to get taken care of at Peterbrook Chocolates here Thank everyone who swung by for the St. Patrick's Day holiday, had some goodies themed in the direction of St. Patrick's Day, and now full focus shifts towards Easter Sunday. We're about a month away exactly from Easter Sunday, so go ahead and take care of your Easter needs at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action on the court now. The biggest tournament going on with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win in the NCAA tournament. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. It is just that simple. If sportsbooks aren't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoop, college hoops action uh, with the DraftKings pools. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it right there on your screen. You bet $5 on any college basketball team to win. You'll get $200 in free bets if they do with the promo code TPPN on the DraftKings 
sports book. And Travis, we move on. Final few minutes of the program. Talk a little bit of Alabama football. We'll start. We're going to hit on uh, spring practice briefly, Travis, which is just kind of getting back underway now. We're also going to touch on. How, how's tonight, by the way, for the boys coming back from spring break and you're back out there this week? Oh, yeah. How's that yeah. reality? You're uh, resting up. You're already you know what, in bed. Though, it's still better than uh, the fourth quarter program. I'd, I'd rather spring go to practice. Y'all. Yes. Yeah. I'd yes. rather do that every day, twice a day than have a, than knowing I had uh, a winter conditioning workout in the morning. Right? Especially when you're still in shorts, right? You can be in shorts <laughs> another couple days. Yeah. Acclimation. <laughs> Alabama spring football getting back underway. We're also going to touch on a couple of former Alabama football players and uh, their news as it relates to the National Football League, some free agency and trade news we're going to touch on. Uh, but first, Travis, really quickly, as Alabama kind of reconvenes coming off of spring break, they've got one practice in the books, and, and we previewed spring practice a little bit last week. Uh, but I guess some refresher thoughts from you on focuses for the coaching staff positions that need the most attention as they uh, get spring practice kind of cranked back up here again. Yeah, continuation of probably what we talked about on the last podcast and what we heard from Nick Saban specifically following that first practice of spring, uh, continuing to try to identify legitimate candidates at the offensive tackle positions, I'd say is right there near the top of that list. Uh, beyond Jermaine Burton at wide receiver, how does that shake out? Would you Corey Brooks out for spring drills? Uh, as we know, and, um, you know, just a, a continuation of uh, developing some of those youngsters and newcomers in general, I guess, at the corner position, uh, Chase, on the defensive side and um, skill positions in general, I guess you could say, in addition to wide receiver, really. Um, you can touch on just about all of those and um, just try to stay healthy, too, as much as anything. I know you're trying to get a lot of stuff done, but um, – you know, health is obviously the primary uh, concern at a time of year like this and uh, continuing to get guys healthy from last season with an emphasis probably more than anything on that running back position. Spring practice is a lot like fall camp in that way, that if you get out of there healthy, then you almost can't complain about anything else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no doubt they want to get through uh, these last – 14 practices as healthy as they can be. A couple more days of acclimation uh, before they get into pads. Not that injuries can't happen before they get into pads. It seems like more and more we see these non-contact injuries, Travis, where, yep. where guys go down. Uh, but uh, they should be getting into pads, I think, toward the end of this coming practice week. Uh, the wide receiver spot, the offensive line spot, uh, those two areas definitely – need plenty of addressing the cornerback spot as well. Kool-Aid McKinstry coming back with some pretty good experience at the cornerback position, but losing Josh Job, losing Jalen Armour Davis, uh, there's an opportunity certainly to fill a void at that spot. couple other areas as well, linebacker, defensive line, no area totally untouched in terms of uh, graduation slash NFL losses, but uh, – We'll be keeping a close eye on it uh, as we kind of get crank, spring practice cranked up again. Quick scheduling note for our listeners, Travis. 
Uh, no scrimmage activity going on this coming weekend, uh, the final weekend in March. Following that, however, that's when you see the scrimmages uh, start to roll out. I believe there's going to be a scrimmage on April 2nd and April 9th. Both of those are Saturdays, of course, followed by the Saturday 8A game on April 16th. So, uh, SEC Network Plus for 8A. Oh, this it's year. plus. Oh, man, there are really Georgia, I believe, is the only SEC team that'll be on like even ESPN2. There, everything is just about on stream. All the spring games are pretty much stream. What's I the, guess because what? the SEC is doing so much baseball and softball, you know, this time of year, you would think they'd still make room for it. But Maybe man, I'm remiss. What what's the bill on SEC Plus? What's that come? What 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 do you come out of the wallet for that? Any well, idea? I can, have no idea. You can basically tie it into your cable provider. I think, it, uh, it, like, if you have Xfinity or like I have YouTube TV, and I can tie that into my YouTube TV account. So right. I, I don't I don't know if there even is an additional fee. I think you already pay for it. Um, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I just know there's going to be some serious <laughs> angst usually the, 16th. Usually Travis, the P and plus stands for premium. When Ronnie and Russellville <laughs> can't find a spring guy. <laughs> Big props. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that, that's when yeah. bottles fly through windows. Yeah. It, mama <laughs> is going to hear about it from the den to the kitchen. <laughs> what'd you do to my tv uh, yeah, yeah. I'll I, i'm gonna do some sleuthing i'm gonna find out exactly <laughs> what sec plus sets people back i'll report back for the oh, Sunday no. week. Yeah. yeah hopefully like you yeah. said hopefully it's just an easy bundle that nobody even notices yeah go I, the, even <laughs> if it is there's still some navigation to be done tech yeah. techno uh technology wise that people don't want to deal with you know, yeah, that that cut the that cut the cord phobia, man. It's real. We'll kick that around the next. Oh, couple weeks. that'll be fun. yeah, yeah. Finally, Travis, a uh, couple notes on former Alabama players, in particular at the wide receiver position. Just got a couple minutes left to go here in this edition of the Talking Tide podcast, Travis. But Julio Jones released by the Tennessee Titans after a disappointing season. He's not yet hooked on with a new team. He will. There's no question uh, unless he wants to retire, which I, I can't imagine he would. Uh, that He'll get another crack with somebody, but unceremoniously let go by the Titans after one year. Also, speaking of wide receivers, Travis, the Dallas Cowboys traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns for essentially a fifth-round draft pick, which – Seemed like peanuts to me. There were a couple other late draft picks. I think a swap of sixths that were involved in that deal as well. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the Cowboys got rid of Cooper for almost nothing. And the, and the Titans let Julio Jones go all together. And look, salary cap issues play into all this, right? The Titans saved, I think, $9 million yeah. on, the cap, on the cap by letting Jones go. So, so that's a factor, too. Nevertheless, uh, you're talking about two pretty outstanding talents um, exiting in, in uh, quick and ugly circumstances. Yeah, the thing we forget about with Julio, though, is he's been in the league 11, 12 years now. 
right? I mean, so there's some serious miles on those tires. And even though he is a big physical receiver, even those guys start to break down a little bit. So you wonder exactly how much is in the gas in the gas tank with Julio. I still think he can help a team. I know he can help the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> two days ago. So that's not to say he can't help a lot of teams still out there. Uh, Amari, I think, um, you know, as far as uh, shelf life anyway, you still would think he has a few more years at a top level uh, that he can perform at. So uh, that was interesting, but you said it. It always goes back to dollars and sometimes cents, although you question the common sense of some of these teams. So I think I'm with you. I think both those guys, well, obviously Amari, but I think Julio's, he's playing for, he's on an opening day roster somewhere come next September. Does he have another 1,000-yard season in the tank? One more. Does he have one more? He's 33 years old. Best receiver in the history of the Falcons, for sure. Does he? Does he get? Can he spring one more monster year for somebody? Seventeen game schedule these days. <laughs> I mean, it could come down to that one extra game. You know yeah. how we how we have these taglines of thousand yard rushers, thousand yard receivers. I hope so. I hope he does. I'd love to see him in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I think on the outside, if nothing else, is a locker room still, guy. Yeah, and and he could still help on even on the outside um, at his age. So thousand, I think he could. I, I think it has to be. It's just about the, playing every the game. Right fit. I mean, if you put him with Mac Jones right now, if you if he went to New England with Mac Jones, would you feel like he could be a thousand yard receiver in twenty twenty two? If he plays seventeen games, because I think yes. he'd get the targets. Yeah. As long as he stays right, if he stays healthy. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, you know, but the health and the, the sustainability right now is where you're at with Julio more than anything. A lot of Alabama guys in the NFL on the move. Mac Wilson moves from Cleveland to New England. O.J. Howard moves from Tampa Bay to Buffalo. Cooper, Julio, Bradley Bozeman's out in Baltimore. He's going to be Carolina. going on. Yeah. Everybody's jumping around. They are. And did you mention Levi Wallace? Levi Wallace onto the Steelers. Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're gonna I have can't to get out of believe they got him for two years and eight million for the I way thought he that played. was low. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was gonna maybe you know, but um I don't think the corners really crushed it. Um like like you thought. Which I don't um, get. I don't understand. The corner that. from New England that went to the Chargers, uh, yeah, JC. I mean, he got a he got a big deal, but it wasn't as the number one guy out there. It wasn't sort of like Jalen Ramsey ish, like right. you thought it might be, right? Right, you're right, you're right. But yeah, Levi Wallace for eight million over two years in Pittsburgh, absolutely a bargain. I think that's great value. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Be sure to join Travis and I next Sunday night. We'll be uh, recapping the latest in Alabama football spring practice and plenty more. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Time.